good afternoon yay um welcome back welcome to chapter nine of five on a treasure island so exciting so exciting so chapter nine the box from the wreck the first thing that the children did after breakfast was to fetch the precious box and take it out to the tool shed in the garden. They were longing to force it open. All of them secretly felt certain that it would hold treasure of some sort. Julian looked around for a tool. He found a chisel and decided that that would be just the thing to force the box open. He tried, but the tool slipped and jabbed his fingers. Then he tried other things, but the box obstinately refused to open. <sighs> the children stared at it crossly. I know what to do, said Anne at last. Let's take it to the top of the house and throw it down to the ground. I expect it would burst open. The children thought over the idea. It might be worth a try, said Julian. The only thing is, it might break or spoil anything inside the box. But there didn't seem any other way to open the box, so Julian carried it up to the top of the house. He went to the attic and opened the window there. The others were down below waiting. Julian hurled the box out of the window as violently as he could. <clears throat> Excuse me. It flew through the air and landed with a crash on the patio below. At once, the French window there opened and their Uncle Quentin came out like a bullet from a gun. What are you doing? he cried. Surely you aren't throwing things at each other out of the window. What's this on the ground? The children looked at the box. It had burst open and lay on the ground showing a waterproof tin lining. Whatever was in the box would not be spoiled. It would be quite dry. Dick ran to pick it up. I said, what's this on the ground? shouted his uncle and moved towards him. It's, it's something that belongs to us, said Dick going red. Well, I'll take it away from you, said his uncle, disturbing me like this. Give it to me. Where did you get it? Nobody answered. Uncle Quentin frowned till his glasses nearly fell off. Where did you get it? He barked, glaring at poor Anne, who was the nearest. Out of the wreck, stammered the little girl, scared. Out of the wreck, said her uncle in surprise. The old wreck that was thrown up yesterday. I heard about that. Do you mean to say you've been in it? Yes, said Dick. Julian joined them at that moment, looking worried. It would be awful if his uncle took the box just as they got it open. But that was exactly what he did. Well, this box may contain something important, he said, and he took it from Dick's hands. You've no right to pr be prying about in that old wreck. You might take something that mattered. Well, it's my wreck, said George in a defiant tone. Please, Dad, let us have the box. We'd just got it opened. We thought it might hold a gold bar or something like that. A gold 
bar,' said her father with a snort. "'What a baby you are. "'This small box would never hold a thing like that. "'It's much more likely to contain particulars "'of what happened to the bars. "'I've always thought that the gold was safely delivered somewhere "'and that the ship, empty of its valuable cargo, "'got wrecked as it left the bay. "'Oh, Dad, please, please let us have our box,' "'begged George, almost in tears.' She suddenly felt certain that it did contain papers that might tell them what had happened to the gold. But without another word, her father turned and went into the house, carrying the box. Burst open and cracked, its tin lining showing through his arm. Anne burst into tears. Don't blame me for telling him we got it from the wreck, she sobbed. Please don't. He looked so angry. I just had to tell him. It's all right, said Julian, putting his arm around Anne. He looked furious. He thought it was very unfair of his uncle to take the box like that. Listen, I'm not going to put up with this. We'll get hold of that box somehow and look into it. I'm sure your dad won't bother himself with it, George. He'll start writing his book again and forget all about it. I'll wait my chance and slip into his study and get it, even if it means a telling off if I'm discovered. Good, said George. We'll all keep a watch and see if Dad goes out. So they took it in turns to keep watch, but most annoyingly, their Uncle Quentin remained in his study all the morning. Aunt Fanny was surprised to see one or two children always around the garden that day instead of down on the beach. Why don't you all go together and keep together and go swimming or something? She said. Have you quarrelled with one another? No, said Dick, of course not. But he didn't say why they were in the garden. Does your dad never go out? He said to George when it was her turn to keep watch. I don't think he leads a very healthy life. Scientists never do, said George, as if she knew all about them. But I'll tell you what, he may go to sleep this afternoon. He sometimes does. Julian was left behind in the garden that afternoon. He sat down under a tree and opened a book. Soon he heard a noise that made him look up. He knew at once what it was. Oh, that's Uncle Quentin snoring, he said in excitement. I wonder if I could creep in at the French window and get our box. He went over to the windows and looked in. One was a little way open, and Julian opened it a little more. He saw his uncle lying back in a comfortable armchair, his mouth a little open, his eyes closed, fast asleep. Every time he took a breath, he snored. He's fast asleep, thought the boy, and there's the box just behind him on that table. I'll risk it. I'll get into huge trouble if I'm caught, but I can't help that. He crept in. His uncle still snored. He tiptoed by him to the table behind his uncle's chair. He took hold of the box. And then a bit of the broken wood of the box fell to the floor with a thud. His uncle stirred in his chair and opened his eyes. Quick as lightning, the boy crouched down behind his uncle's chair, hardly breathing. What's that? he heard his uncle say. 
Julian didn't move. Then his uncle settled down again and shut his eyes. Soon there was the rhythmic snore, sound of snoring. Oh, that's lucky, thought Julian. He's off again. Quietly he stood up, holding the box. On tiptoe, he crept to the French window. He slipped out and ran softly down the garden path. He didn't think of hiding the box. All he wanted to do was to get to the other children and show them what he'd done. He ran to the beach where the others were lying in the sun. Hey, he yelled. Hey, I've got it. I've got it. They all sat up with a jerk, thrilled to see the box in Julian's arms. They forgot all about the other people on the beach. Julian dropped down on the sand and grinned. Your dad went to sleep, he said to George. Tim, don't lick me like that. And I went in and a bit of the box dropped on the floor and it woke him up. <clears throat> oh no, said George, what happened? I crouched down behind his chair till he went to sleep again, said Julian. Then I ran for it. Now let's see what's in here. I don't believe your dad's even looked. He hadn't. The tin lining was intact. It had rusted with the years of lying in the wet and the lid was so tightly fitted down that it was almost impossible to move it. But once George began to work at it with her penknife, scraping away the rust, it began to loosen. In, an, in about a quarter of an hour, it came off. <clears throat> the children bent eagerly over it. Inside lay some old papers and a book of some kind with a black cover. Nothing else at all. No bar of gold, no treasure. Everyone felt a bit disappointed. It's not even damp, said Julian, surprised. The tin lining kept everything completely dry. He picked up the book and opened it. It's a diary your great-great-great-grandfather kept of the ship's voyages, he said. I can hardly read the writing, it's so small and old-fashioned. George picked up one of the papers. It was made of thick parchment, quite yellow with age. She spread it out on the sand and looked at it. The others glanced at it too, but they couldn't tell what it was. It seemed to be some kind of a map. Perhaps it's a map of some place he had to go to, said Julian. But suddenly George's hands began to shake. As she held the map, and her eyes shone as she looked up at the others. She opened her mouth but didn't speak. What's the matter? asked Julian. Lost your voice? George shook her head and began to speak with a rush. Julian, this is a map of my old castle, of Kieran Castle, when it wasn't a ruin. It shows the dungeons and look what's written here. She put a trembling finger on one part of the dungeon's map and the others leaned over to see what it was was written there. There, in old-fashioned writing, was a single strange word. Ingots. Ingots, said Anne, puzzled. What does that mean? I've never heard that word before. But the two boys had... 
ingots, Dick exclaimed. That must mean the bars of gold. They were called ingots. Most bars of metal are called ingots, said Julian, going red with excitement. But we know that there's gold missing from that ship. So it really looks as if ingots here means bars of gold. Just think they might still be hidden underneath Kiran Castle. George, isn't it amazing? George nodded, shaking with excitement. If only we could find it, she whispered. Just imagine. We'll have a proper hunt for it, said Julian. It'll be really difficult because of the castle being in ruins and so overgrown. But somehow we will find those ingots. What a brilliant word. Ingots, ingots, ingots. Sounded much more exciting than the word gold. Nobody spoke about gold anymore. They talked about the ingots. Tim couldn't make out what the excitement was was at all. He wagged his tail and tried hard to lick first one and then another of the children. But for once, not one of them paid any attention to him. He simply couldn't understand it. And after a while, he went and sat down by himself with his back to the children and his ears down. Oh, look at poor Timothy, said George. He can't understand why we're so excited. Tim, Tim, come on, it's all right. You're not in trouble or anything. Oh, Tim, we've got the most wonderful secret in the whole world. Tim bounded up, his tail wagging, pleased to be taken notice of once more. He put his big paw on the precious map and the four children shouted at him at once. He can't, we can't have that torn, said Julian. Then he looked at the others and frowned. What are we going to do about the box, he said. I mean, George's dad is bound to miss it, isn't he? We'll have to give it back. Can't we take out the map and keep it, said Dick. Mm, He won't know it was there if he hasn't looked in the box, and we're pretty sure he hasn't. The other things don't matter much. They're only that old diary and a few letters. To be on the safe side, let's take a copy of the map, said Julian. Then we can put the real map back and replace the box. They all voted that a very good idea. They went back to Kiran Cottage and traced out the map carefully. And they did it in the tool shed because they didn't want anyone to see them. It was a strange map. It was in three parts. This part shows the dungeons under the castle, said Julian. And this shows a plan of the ground floor of the castle. And this shows the top part. Must have been an amazing place in those days. The dungeons run all under the castle. I bet they were pretty awful places. I wonder how people got down to them. We'll have to study the map a bit more and see, said George. It all looks rather muddled at the moment. But once we take the map over to the castle and study it there, we might be able to work out how to get down to the hidden dungeons. Oh, I bet no other kids ever had an adventure like this. Julian put the traced map carefully into his jeans pocket he didn't intend to let go of it it was very very precious then he put the real back map back into the box and looked towards the house what about putting it back now he said maybe your dad's still asleep george 
but he wasn't. He was awake. Luckily, he hadn't missed the box. He came into the dining room to have tea with the family and Julian took his chance. He muttered an excuse, slipped away from the table and replaced the box on the table behind his uncle's chair. He winked at the others when he came back. They felt relieved. They were all scared of Uncle Quentin and were not at all keen to be in his bad books. Anne didn't say one word during the whole of the meal. She was afraid she might give something away, either about Tim or the box. The others spoke very little too. While they were eating, the phone rang and Aunt Fanny went to answer it. She soon came back. It's for you, Quentin, she said. That old wreck has caused quite a lot of excitement. There are some journalists wanting to ask you questions about it. Tell them I'll see them at six, said Uncle Quentin. The children looked at one another in alarm. They hoped that their uncle wouldn't show the box to the journalists. Then the secret of the hidden gold might come out. It's lucky we took a tracing of the map, said Julian after tea. But I'm sorry now we left the real map in the box. Somehow, someone else may guess our secrets. Oh no, how awful, deary me. Well, 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 maybe tomorrow we will see whether someone else guesses their secret. It's a good adventure though, isn't it? Anyway, I will see you all again tomorrow. And, well, we'll see what happens next. (laughs) Until then, make sure you take care and stay safe. And I will see you all again tomorrow. Bye for now.